Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Selmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, always socially distancing from home, along with the About Mansfield news team. This is episode 64, and we appreciate you being here today. If you are listening on Wednesday, the day of the episode's release... Happy St. Patrick's Day. Got your green on? Coming up this episode, it's Mansfield News and Weather for the upcoming week. And don't forget the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic apparently continues its decline in Mansfield. Fundraiser honors Mansfield police officer in a big way. And then there were... 21. Registration is open for Mansfield Citizens Police Academy, Class 30. I'm in the mood for a quickie today. I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll delve into that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. What's the simple thing missing from your home bar that most people misunderstand? Find out more during this week's Cocktail of the Week segment. Alexa has our seven-day weather forecast, and Steve goes in-depth and in-studio in a fun interview with Mansfield resident Sarah Zink. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hey, business owners. Have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear. I'm Sonia Salazar, and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing, or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817 817- 913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows, such as Ask Philip the face-off spot, and daughter of the other woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking Looking for a better place to record? Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. That's podcastmansfield.com. Southwestern Adventist University's safe and friendly campus is located right in our backyard. Did you know that cybersecurity has become a high-demand specialty? SWOW is known for producing ethical, trustworthy, well-rounded graduates prepared to keep organizations safe and secure. Earn a bachelor's in cybersecurity at Southwestern Adventist University. Texas residents who commit early for fall 2021 are eligible for a $3,000 scholarship. 
Go to SWAU.edu to learn more. Hi, this is Jan Cox. And this is John Cox, owner of Stevens Garden and Grill. And you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. The COVID-19 epidemic continues its decline in Mansfield. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb keeps us up to date. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. On March 15th, Tarrant County reported that 6,994 Mansfieldians had caught the virus, 6,623 had recovered, and 123 had died from the virus since the start a year ago. We had 61 new cases this past week, our eighth week of decline in this indicator. The county estimates we now have 371 active cases, also lower than recent weeks. Remember that active cases are the number of fellow citizens who could pass the virus to another person if both are not following county-recommended protective measures. We had five new COVID-19 deaths in Mansfield this past week, about the same as recent weeks and well below our record high of 15 in January. Mansfield ISD reports 30 active cases among students and 12 among staff, a slight decrease from the previous week. No report available this week from Mansfield Methodist. Looking at the county-wide numbers, most of Tarrant County's epidemic indicators continue to improve. We saw a small drop in weekly fatalities to 110, only a bit below our highest numbers in January and February, but still above the numbers we saw in November. County-wide hospitalization with the virus has continued to decline, with last week's average of 314 citizens in a hospital bed with the virus, the lowest hospitalization we have seen since last October. Tarrant County reports 7% of eligible county residents have received their last immunization shot, 1% over the week before. Progress, but still suggesting we are a long way to herd immunity. Our county judge, Glenn Whitley, encourages all citizens to register and get vaccinated. Governor Abbott recommends we get vaccinated and continue to mask, distance, hand wash, avoid crowds if you can until the numbers get a lot better. The state and our county no longer require that we do these things. The Centers for Disease Control still recommend taking precautions, though a group of people who have all been vaccinated and wait the recommended time after the last shot can gather indoors. In my house, that day is in April, and we look forward to it. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Mansfield residents poured their hearts, souls, and pocketbooks into a fundraiser for injured Mansfield police officer Randy Watson. T-shirts and other items were sold, and cash was donated to assist Officer Watson, who was seriously injured in a motorcycle accident while on his way to work in February. Mayor Michael Evans, City Manager Joe Smolenski, and many other local dignitaries were on hand to witness the presentation of a check to Officer Watson and his wife, Corinna. And what a check it was. Nonprofit Back the Blue HQ presented Officer Watson with a check for just over $55,000, which was the result of their online t-shirt sales, as well as the fundraiser held at Fat Daddy's last week, and a variety of cash donations. The fundraiser, which raised over $10,000 in and of itself, featured several live bands, including country star Kofi Anderson. Well, it's that time of year to dig deep into your dresser drawers, pull out those green jogging shorts you received as a white elephant gift, and don't forget to stretch the hams as the world's only St. Patty's Pickle Run happens on Saturday. The Pickle Run 5K and 10K starts at St. Jude Catholic Church and takes participants through downtown. Due to current COVID conditions, there is is no race day registration. 
post-race festival or parade. For more information or to register for the family-friendly run, log on to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the Links tab. The Mansfield Citizens Police Academy has opened its enrollment for their upcoming training program. The 30-hour program consists of classroom and hands-on instruction to provide the public with a working knowledge of the Mansfield Police Department. Participants will meet on Thursday nights, three hours a week, during the 10-week course starting March 25th. Instruction is comprehensive, and each week, a different area of the police department will be covered, including accident investigation, building searches, crime scene investigation, and family violence, just to name a few, with each session facilitated by one or more Mansfield police officers who are state-certified instructors or experts in a particular field. The Academy is about to launch Class 30, and the last day to enroll is Friday, March 19th. We have a link to the Academy on our website, aboutmansfield.com. Just click on the Links tab. The race for Mansfield City Council just got a little bit smaller this week as David Klein announced the suspension of his campaign for Place 4. This leaves incumbent Casey Lewis and opponents Von Wynn Jones and Houston Mitchell. Klein is the second candidate to drop from the May 1st ballot as Godson Onwabiko Jr. recently bowed out of the Mansfield ISD school board race, reducing the total amount of school board and council candidates from 23 to 21. About Mansfield will be releasing 13 school board candidate interviews all at once the week of March 29th and eight city council candidate interviews the week of April 5th, both well in advance of April 19th, the start of early voting. It's time for the Ask Terry Do-It-Yourself Home Improvement feature. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Today we're going to drift a little from the normal single question format and do a few quick hits, questions that I can answer in a few sentences rather than in a full segment. The first question comes from Derek, or maybe it's LaShawn, who asks, In case of another snow vid outbreak, what is the best way for a homeowner to prepare pipes? I don't know what COVID-19 has to do with snow, but as I said a couple of weeks ago, most of the water pipe issues we saw happen in pier and beam homes or manufactured homes. In those cases, you'll need to get underneath the home and insulate the pipes with the best quality tubular foam pipe insulation you can get, and then wrap them with fiberglass pipe wrap. The more protection, the better. You can also get electric heat tape and wrap the pipes as well, but of course that protection only works if you have power. The other big source of pipe breakage happened with water heaters, particularly those located in attics. Again, the pipes need to be encased in the best quality tubular insulation and then wrapped in fiberglass. You'll also need to get a fiberglass jacket for the heater itself to help it hold in heat, which in turn will help keep the pipes a bit warmer. In the attic, too, would even be better. Make sure all the seams are tightly sealed with aluminum foil duct tape as well. The next question is from Vince, who asks, is getting blown-in insulation a better idea than rolls of it for a house? Which is more economical? 
again, I talked about this right after the storm, and I assume you're speaking about attic insulation. Our value is our value, no matter whether it comes from loose fill insulation or from rolls or bats of woven fiberglass. If you're starting from scratch, or if the level of insulation in the attic is below the top of the rafters, blown in is going to be the more economical route for sure, because you're looking for coverage and depth with a minimal amount of labor. It certainly takes more time to cut in pieces of fiberglass matting than it does to blanket the whole area with loose fill fiberglass. And I do prefer fiberglass to cellulose, even though the fiberglass is more expensive. Fiberglass weighs less and therefore settles less, and it's the airspace in the insulation that actually creates the buffer zone between heat and cold. Now, if you're simply adding insulation to that which already exists in the attic, flopping rolls or bats of fiberglass will certainly save you some time. It's important, though, that you not shove it into every nook and cranny at the eaves of the house. There needs to be airflow from outdoors. That's why you have vents in your overhang and vents in your roof in order to keep fresh air in the attic and preventing moisture from building up and damaging your roof decking from below. There are plastic channels called proper vents, which you stick between the rafters at the eaves, and they prevent you from sealing off the soffit ventilation. They're inexpensive and provide the flow needed to keep air recirculating in the attic. The last question I have today comes from Richard who asks, what is the best AC filter? That's a broad question and one that I can't really answer specifically because I don't know what kind of air handler and filtration system you have in your home. If you've got a newer system with a four, four and a half or five inch filter, you really don't have much choice in the quality of the filter. Most manufacturers offer one or two performance levels at best. If you've got an older system that takes a one inch filter, you'll have a lot of choices in filter performance. So the other side of the question is, what do you need the filter to do? If you have issues with allergies and such, you'll need a more dense filter that will help eliminate pollen, mold spores, and finer dust that make breathing uncomfortable. You look at MERV, MERV, MPR, or FPR ratings depending on what brand and where you're shopping for filters. In general, the higher the number, the finer particles the filter will screen out. However, the more dense the filter is, the more airflow can be restricted, meaning that you won't get the velocity you might be used to coming out of your vents if you switch to a higher performing filter. You have to find the balance between air quality and air movement. And truthfully, I've had some old school heating and cooling techs tell me over the years that using a really dense filter makes the air handler work harder because of the restricted flow. To me, it makes a lot of sense to get a moderately dense filter and change it every month instead of every three months as is recommended. That helps keep air quality up and is better for the equipment because flow isn't restricted. Thanks, all of you, for the questions. And hey, if any of you have a question or a home improvement or repair issue you'd like me to take on for you, send it my way. You can reach me through the podcast email or by accessing my Facebook page at Ask Terry AM Podcast or my Twitter at Ask Terry AM Pod. We'll talk again soon. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist. Terry Radswin. If you have a home improvement question, you can send an email to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that's askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Terry will tackle another home improvement question next week. Checking in with another science nugget, we turn to our roving science reporter and local rock star, Dennis Webb. Dennis? In the last few weeks, my brain has been in geology. I'm writing about my dad's career. He was an exploration geophysicist 
a term I could pronounce and explain in middle school. I am now trying to explain how he did this as my family followed his work around the Rocky Mountains in the 1950s and 60s. There might be a book. In olden times, when I was a kid, my dad's crew of big trucks would roll into a small town in the middle of nowhere. We would rent a house or an apartment, and the crew would head for the boonies to perform a series of scientific experiments to try to figure out what was going on below the Earth's local surface. Each experiment worked this way. The crew would use a truck-mounted drill to poke a hole in the ground. Explosives were put at the bottom of the hole and detonated, shooting dirt and rocks in a plume above the hole. More importantly, the explosion would send a loud acoustic wave wave downward and part of the energy would be reflected back from the layers of soil and rock below. These faint reverberations were picked up by sensors called geophones, which means earth sound, and their signals were recorded on a long strip of paper in another truck, the truck filled with electronic equipment. A geophysicist would analyze these squiggles and somehow figure out how the deep layers were shaped and advise a big oil company if they should drill an oil well there. I'm trying to understand enough about this interpretation of the squiggles to describe my dad's first task as a junior computer geophysicist on the crew in 1950. This was before widespread use of, of actual digital computers. I'm not there yet, but it's a familiar situation with most of science and engineering. If you have a question, you try to design an affordable, workable experiment to get the answer. The oil companies could just drill a jillion oil wells called wildcatting, but it was a whole lot cheaper to hire my dad's crew to perform these scientific experiments to build an estimated model of the subsurface structure. In 1950, this technique was perhaps 20 or 30 years old, rapidly adopting technology to make a workable business case for the involved companies, including the big oil companies. The vacuum tube equipment in the truck that converted the faint geophone signals to squiggles on paper were manufactured by a then-young company, Texas Instruments, that went on to wider commercial success with more modern electronics. Anyway, back to geology. Some years ago, I read a wonderful, very long book about the history of geology titled Annals of the Former World by John McPhee. This book won a Pulitzer Prize. The author is a literature professor who had an interest in the history of geology, and over many years he would go on long road trips with his geologist friends, mostly along Interstate 80, which runs across our, our nation way, way north of here. The author paints a picture of how humans figured out what happened on our planet over millions of years in the past. This time scale is inconceivable to us normal humans. The author summarized, If by some fiat I had to restrict all this writing to one sentence, this is the one I would choose. The summit of Mount Everest is marine limestone. Said another way, the rocks at the top of Mount Everest were once at the bottom of an ocean long ago. Complicated and hard to understand, but this is how science works. From the science desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time right now for the cocktail of the week, and this week, reporter Brian Certain concocts something simple. Very simple. Brian? Thanks, Steve. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'm going to be talking about a staple of your home bar that most people overlook and misunderstand, simple syrup. And just like the name, simple syrup is just that, simple. Even if you went to Texas A&M, I guarantee you can make this at home. You can always buy simple syrup at the grocery store or liquor store, but a quick look at my local liquor store that charges 25 cents an ounce or Amazon that charges up to 83 cents per ounce, and to me, that's crazy. 
Following my simple recipe, the cost is as low as one to two cents per ounce. So not only do you get control as to what is in your simple syrup, also known as no chemicals to make it shelf stable, but you have more money to spend on great booze. So simple syrup is just water and sugar. That's it. No secret ingredients, no magic. I found the simplicity of simple syrup a number of years ago when I started making espresso drinks at home instead of feeding my local coffee shop addiction. I was shocked at the prices they were charging for their syrup and found out how easy and inexpensive it was to make at home. And ever since then, I have done so. Don't worry about taking notes as I'm giving out the ingredients and the instructions. They are always posted on bourbongospel.com. Here's my basic simple syrup recipe. Three cups of water, three cups of sugar. First thing you're going to do is you're going to pour the water into a pot, bring it to a slow rolling bowl, just starting to bubble. You're going to lower the temperature, add the sugar slowly, and stir to fully dissolve. Allow to cool, and then put into a squeeze bottle and store in your fridge. This makes about one quart of simple syrup and should stay good for a couple of weeks. Now, after you've done this a little bit and you discover how easy it is to make at home, you're now ready to try a few different versions. I'm going to quickly run through two of my favorites, but to find more of my custom syrups, you can go to bourbongospel.com and look for the December 7th, 2019 blog post on simple syrups and agaves. Now, my favorite simple syrup to make, other than the basic, is a strawberry balsamic simple syrup. And as strange as that may sound, trust me, you're going to love it. You're going to take two cups of water, two cups of sugar, one quart of strawberries. I prefer fresh, but I've also used frozen. With the strawberries, you're going to quarter them and remove the tops, and you're going to have one cup of balsamic vinegar. To put it all together, you're going to add the water to a pot and bring it to a slow boil. Add the sugar and the strawberries and lower the temperature. Stir to fully dissolve the sugar and let simmer on the stovetop for about 20 minutes. You're then going to use your immersion blender and turn the syrup into a puree, allow to cool on the stovetop. You're going to then process the cooled puree through a fine mesh sieve two to three times to remove the seeds and the meat of the berries. You're then going to combine the balsamic vinegar, stir well. This will end up making about a quart of final product. The second one is a mint simple syrup. With this one, this is a smaller batch. So it's one cup of water and one cup of sugar. You're going to use one container of mint, which will be about 10 to 15 sprigs with all the leaves removed from the stems. Add the water to the pot, bring to a slow boil, add the sugar in the mint and lower the temperature, stirring to fully dissolve the sugar, and then let simmer on the stovetop for about 20 minutes. When the syrup has cooled, strain through a fine mesh sieve to remove all the mint. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much bourbon is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Saturday is the official first day of spring. Let's see what Mother Nature has in store for us. Alexa? In Mansfield for the next seven days. Tuesday, 81 degrees Fahrenheit and intermittent clouds. Wednesday, 71 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Thursday, 67 degrees and lots of sun. Friday, 65 degrees and mostly sunny weather. 
Saturday, 66 degrees and lots of sun. Sunday, 73 degrees and lots of clouds. Monday, 72 degrees and cloudy skies. According to the Tarrant Regional Water District, your Mansfield lawn may need a quarter inch of watering this week. There's a chance of rain Tuesday evening, so consider holding off and watering one day only if needed. Mansfield residents are advised to do a two-minute test of all sprinkler zones and only run the irrigation system if everything is in working order. Make any fixes, adjustments, and don't forget to reset the controller clock to daylight savings time. You can always view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas at waterisawesome.com. Congratulations to Matt Taylor, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. How many square miles is the city of Mansfield? According to the City of Mansfield website, the area of Mansfield is 36.53 square miles. Matt has won a 25 gift card to Big D Barbecue. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue, pumping out smoked tender meats and a unique organic sauce paired with local craft beers since 2013. Located next to the railroad tracks at 226 North Walnut Creek Drive here in Mansfield. You can find them on the internet at BigDBarbecue.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, whether it's Oliver, McClendon, Chandler, or the myriad of others, Mansfield has an amazing award-winning inventory of over two dozen parks, trails, and sports complexes. But which one came first? This week's trivia question is, which Mansfield Park is the oldest and when did it open? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, which Mansfield Park is the oldest and when did it open? Good luck and thanks to Jordy at Big D for the gift card. 
Coming up after the break, Steve talks one-on-one in studio with Mansfield resident Sarah Zink. Stay with us. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, inviting you to make our thrift store your one stop for shopping, donating, and volunteering. When neighbors buy your donations, the proceeds help other Mansfield neighbors in need with free services including financial assistance, employment help, food, medical, dental, and vision care. Voted Best Thrift Store in 2019 by Living Magazine, the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store is located at Broad and Walnut Creek. For more details, visit our website at Mansfield mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, oh my gosh, what a treat. What a treat. She, uh, to me, she's one of Mansfield's best kept secrets and she's going to be a secret no more. Sarah Zink, Woo-hoo! welcome to About Mansfield. <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm quite honored. And uh, I didn't know I was a secret, and I certainly didn't know I was best kept. So, well, <laughs> even better. What's a behavioral consultant? Oh gosh, I um, teach people how to play well with others. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Basically. <laughs> Do I have to be on my best behavior then? And for well, the I'd ne- recommend it or I'm going to analyze you and then it won't be pretty. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> In talking with people who come into the, the studio the, during these talk segments, it's, it's really about the person and not what you have done. Although we will talk about what you've done. I hope not all of what w- I've done. Right? While we find out about... <laughs> all the good stuff I've done. About Sarah Zink. Are you a native Texan? No. Where are you from? Uh, I was born in uh, Ohio, and we my moved down here with my first husband in uh, 1982. So I got here. What is that phrase? I got here as fast got here as, as I fast could. As I could uh... Yeah, and it was right the winter right before that really bad snowstorm in '82. It was it was pretty bad, but um, been here since '82. Moved to Mansfield in um, 2001. Whereabouts in Ohio? Born in Columbus. Okay. We lived in a little suburb right outside called Whitehall. Let's talk about Little Sarah. Little We're, Sarah. Little Sarah. Oh, what, give me a give me an example of a, a, a typical day in the life of Little Sarah. Batch crazy. Okay. Would be uh, probably the best descriptor <laughs> for me as a child. Um, I was an enthusiastic child. Uh, so a typical day would just be. I love to pretend. Absolutely loved to pretend. I made little fairy houses. I would, in Ohio, they have basements. Yeah. And so I remember my mom would set up this area down in the basement and there was a record player down there and I would put on show tunes. Nice. And I would go down in the basement. She had all these lace tablecloths and I'd drape them over my head and I would, you know, dance around like a, a show dancer singing all the show tunes. So. Did you have visions of Broadway then? You know, I did. I wanted to be, it wasn't about being a dancer as much, although I really did enjoy the concept of the the show dancing, but I just loved the singing and acting. Just loved it all. I mean, just the whole concept of getting up and entertaining people with music. Yeah. Were you a good student? Uh, well, no. (laughs) And I, you know, it's funny as an adult, you can look back and you can figure out, I mean, I distinctly remember a teacher yelling at me about something and it was because I kept asking her a question because the way she was explaining didn't make sense to me. Yeah. 
and uh, or I would write these fanciful stories, and they would come back to me so red marked that I thought, well, I'm not going to write. That clearly is not my spiritual gift. But you know, when you read it as an adult, you're like, that was just pretty good. But they weren't focused on the content. You know, they were focused on the grammar. So I think from a teacher's point of view, I just extend my sympathies to any of my teachers that are still alive. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so what became your spiritual gift? You know, um, when I was young, singing. Singing, you know, I'm, right? I'm a pretty you good... and I have shared the stage together. Yes, we have. Y'all we, have been gracious enough. We sang Tennessee Whiskey together. Yes, we did. You all were great to, to should, let me do that. And... Should we do a chorus right now? Of course. (laughs) What? You're as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. All right, that's enough. There we go. All right, so your spiritual... uh, um... Well, and honestly, okay, this is the, the, the the whole thing about spiritual gifts in children is... And this is this is what I tell anybody out there. I want you to think about what do you do in your life that aggravates people the most? That is likely your spiritual gift. Yeah. Um, when I was a <laughs> child, back then, you know, you told little kids they were bossy and loud, and I got marks for talking too much. And then I grow up and I make a living doing it. Let's wait a second. I... Some sort of an alarm. Should we be running? <laughs> <laughs> no one else is. I know. I'm, I'm looking to see if anyone else was panicking when that when that alarm went off. Did you have any hobbies in school? You know, uh, again, back to the 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 singing, the music, the mm-hmm. acting. You know, I was blessed growing up in that we um, had such a crazy childhood, and my mom. Uh, grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. And so city living was really hard on her mentally and emotionally. And so, um, you know, we had some challenges as children with that. And so um, our church, we grew up, (laughs) if you can imagine me being Southern Baptist, grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. That natural, uh, what do they call that? Spontaneous utterance on your part was, oh my. Oh my. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Imagine it from my perspective. But uh, we grew up in a church that was real active, had a lot of musicals, had a lot of events, very, very busy. And it, it it was, in essence, the thing that I think helped me hold it together through a difficult childhood. And so, but music was always core to that. Sure. And then, of course, I grew up with quilters. My grandma taught me to quilt when I was 12. My mom was a, a quilter, seamstress. She she made all her own clothes. So um, I, I always, you know, and we grew up super poor. And so, you know, necessity being the mother of invention. Right. Uh, we, we could make stuff out of nothing. And living in the capitalistic world that the, the United States is, you can take that something yeah. from nothing yeah. and make some money out of it. Well, it, it, it helped, it helped uh, you know, get through things at the time, but now I honestly think that making something out of nothing early... I'm a scrap quilter, mm-hmm. and for anybody who doesn't know what that is, is I, li- I, I literally just use pieces of fabric that are given to me by other people who quilt. So awesome. their leftovers tend to be what I use to make quilts with. And so... Um, so if I had a shirt or a blanket or a, it's just any type of... It needs to be 100% cotton. So if okay. you have 100% cotton clothing. But uh, other people who quilt have leftover scraps from their quilt. Oh, that, okay. That makes and sense. And so I, I don't really do a lot with clothes, although I have memorial quilts. I make a bunch of memorial quilts if someone you know dies in the family and they have suitable fabric you know, 
because a quilt is just like a, a hug. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Almost as good as a weighted blanket. Almost as good as a weighted blanket. And actually, if you put enough uh, batting in it, it it could like be, yeah, yeah. But in Texas, you don't want that for sure. My wife, I I bought my wife a weighted blanket for Christmas, uh, and by eight o'clock every night, she's sound asleep. You know it's, what does it say about our culture, though? That we need a way <laughs> that we actually need to feel cocooned, right? We, you know, what does it say about our culture that we need to be cocooned to be able to go to sleep? I mean, wasn't the weighted blanket though that was created for? People with autism, because yeah. autism, people with autism need that hug, that that sense. It's of, a sense. Of, it's a constant pressure versus the like clothing is is rubbing. Right. The weighted is is like a it's right. swaddling. And swaddling. somebody out there said, "Wait a second, <laughs> normal people will like this too." Yeah. Not well, let's let's not exaggerate that any of us are normal. <laughs> Oh, I don't, why don't we? Why don't we not not go there? But how many how many quilts do you think you've made? I think it would be fair to say I can comfortably say I've made more than five hundred quilts. Wow! Yeah, but I, I that it would be a stretch to say I've made more than that. Five hundred is 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 a number. It's it's a number. I've 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 slowed. Well, I've actually. I used to only make them by hand, okay. the whole thing. And then about uh, five or six years ago, age dictated that I began to recognize that uh, I am not going to be able to make a ton of blankets if I continue doing it that way. So I started making them with machines, and I can crank them out a little faster. You brought in a quilt today because it's up for it's up for auction. And so describe the quilt and how it all came about. You know, oh, just, gosh. just the mic um, is open and tell okay. me about this quilt. So, uh, we raffle, I raffle quilts every month. I have a nonprofit called Sarah's Bag Ladies and we convert, uh, used grocery bags into mats for the homeless and animals at the animal shelter. And have been doing that since 2017. And UTA has been a huge sponsor. We've been part of the the big event and the Super Service Saturday for years. Hundreds of students yeah. participate in those. And so I started raffling off quilts to just help fund that. And then I realized that there are other charities I could split the proceeds with. So I make quilts and sell them for customers, but every now and then a customer may change their mind or I have time to make an extra quilt that's fun. This particular quilt is a called I Chihuahua, A-Y-E, I Chihuahua. And it's a little girl, uh, Chihuahua, with a bow on her head. And there's uh, nine blocks and each block has about 60 pieces. So it's a pretty intricate quilt, but we're raffling it off to raise money for uh, Sarah's Bag Ladies, but also Smash, which is Supporting Mansfield, it supports Mansfield Animal Shelter. I can never remember what Smash Let's stands see if for. It's supporting Mansfield Humane. Animal Shelter. Yeah, I think so. Let's go with that. We'll go with that. I know Smash is Smash big here. Smash is it, big here, and it it really supports uh, and promotes adoption. And we have rescue dogs. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this month we're raffling that off to to help raise money for. Them. And I misspoke. It's not an auction. It's a raffle. So yeah, which is unless somebody just has a burning desire to come and you know give you hundred thousand dollars a ridiculous amount of money. In which case, I'll put another quilt up for <laughs> for a raffle. <laughs> and for those who are listening, I'm going to put a photo of the quilt on the About Mansfield Facebook page, not Facebook, uh, well, Facebook page and the website. 
With a link to the raffle, I'm With sure. With a link, yes. So you can have, now it's pink. It is pink. I, I'm looking at it's it. It's a little it's, girl. Okay. Yeah. The, I, the Chihuahua dog is, is a girl. Oh, she's going to open it up now. It's, she's taking it out of the bag. She's opening it up. Oh, it is a girl. She's got uh, pink ears and a bow. So you made that out of? Scraps. People give me, I mean, quilters. When I say people, quilters give me their cotton scraps. And uh, that's why each bow is different. I mean, most of the time when people look at quilts, every block is the same. And you have to pay me extra to do that. <laughs> Because that is just repetitive. And you could buy a quilt that looks like that at Walmart. But what I like about scrap quilting is that it's it's got a life of its own in that every quilt is every block is different. You can see even with the white, some of every white uh is fabric, different. they're all different. And so, you know, it's a it's a joyful thing. So, so this is the type of quilt you're not going to find this covering a bed because this isn't this is not a queen size I've, quilt. I can make them. Yeah, I can make but, them. But this is called a lap size quilt. It's about uh, fifty by fifty, maybe fifty okay. by sixty. I envision this actually just going up on a wall. That would. You know, it's funny. I yes, people do hang them on the walls. Mm-hmm. I probably because. The, the biggest compliment you can pay a quilter is to wear their quilt out. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, use it, love it, uh, love it to pieces, basically. If someone wanted to get a head start on the raffle, is there a website where they can... There's to- a link, and I, I can't even... Rem- I mean, it's like a really long link, but they can go... Um, they can find the link on your page. The About Mansfield Facebook page. Yeah. Let's go back to Ohio. You oh, okay. you you finished. Uh, you, let's. Uh, you finished school. Uh, you got married again to your first husband. You. What brought you to? Let's start with Texas first in general. His, his parents lived here, so okay. uh, my first husband I met in college, and um, and where'd you go to college? I went to well at the time it was called Cumberland College. It's now Cumberland University. Okay. In they've, Kentucky, they've been promoted. Yeah, they grew up. <laughs> Uh, uh, and uh, they are in uh, the southern part of Kentucky. And my husband's uh, parents, who are both deceased, moved down here. His dad worked with American Airlines. And so he they moved down here in, I think, 80, 81 maybe. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're young, you're like, hey, let's just pack everything up in the car and go. Yeah. And so we did, and we called them on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we're going to be there in a couple days. Uh, so that was, you know, just the, the great, the first great adventure. You moved here from Ohio to, to Texas. What were some of the cultural differences? Uh, oh, for from, instance, you know, I moved out here from San Diego where you've got palm trees and sunshine 364 days of the year and... People always ask me, what are the cultural differences between Texas and, and California? Well, there, there are a few, <laughs> a but uh, from Ohio to Texas. Well, uh, from Ohio to Kentucky wasn't a big difference. So, you know, we lived in Ohio, went to school in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was all pretty similar. Moving down to Texas for me was a glorious thing. And, and it's because I am larger than life. You know, I I have opinions. I am 
very forward. I am. I, st- I don't know that about you. I know you didn't know that <laughs> I was a, a strong person, did you? You know, here's the thing about strong, strong-willed people or or, or powerful people, however it, it, the case may be. You know, it's all well and good at the beginning, but it takes strong people to put up with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, up in Ohio, it was kind of a novelty, and in Kentucky, it was it was a novelty, and then and then it got annoying. People just were like, oh, you're just so loud, and you're so out there, and you're so opinionated, right? Like, I shouldn't have any of those things. So, in Texas, it was like, hey, welcome. Yes. You, you belong here. <laughs> hey, y'all. It was like my tribe. I found my tribe. Well, cool. Originally in Texas, where did you move? Arlington. To, oh, so close. Literally. Okay, so this is a funny story. When we were coming down the uh, freeway, 20 was much smaller than it is right now. And there were all these things in the air. I guess it was helicopters and, you know, it was like the news uh, stations. And so all they're all in the air, you know, reporting on the traffic. And I was freaking out thinking they were UFOs or something. Oh, no. Because we're just, it was like, what is happening? And when we turned on to Cooper Street off of 20, Cooper Street was two lanes. Yeah. So that tells you how long ago we moved here. The one of... Big impression that I recall as a brand new Texan was the the size of the American flags on I twenty from the from the car dealerships. Huge! It, it was astonishing. It was yeah. astonishing. Yeah, because nothing like that at, in, no. in California. No, there's no state that I know of that has flags. <laughs> I don't even know that they make the state flags as big for the other states. From Arlington to Mansfield. What brought you to Mansfield? From Arlington. I lived in Arlington for years. Uh, had another husband in between who shall remain nameless. And then in, uh, I met my current husband. Uh, in Larry. 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 Wonderful. Shout, shout fabulous Larry. husband. Larry Zink. Uh, truly is. Met him in October of uh, 1998. And... We uh, st- were together for years, uh, a couple years, and we decided to get married. And we thought, you know, we wanted to buy a house. And true story, our realtor said, well, I have a house down in Mansfield I think you'd like. And I said, you know, I don't want to go live out in the country. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is 2001, so it was not country then, but that was my uh, impression at the time. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the realtor brought us down here in August, July or August, and we just fell in love with the house that we're in right now. Yeah, and uh, we we actually back then you could do this. We sat on the back porch every night for a week, at, just to get a sense of the neighborhood. And it was quiet, and everybody was nice, and uh, it, you know it was just fabulous. So it'll actually be twenty years this year that we moved in. We thought at the time it was so far away. Oh, yeah. And it's like 16 miles from, I mean, I think you're a little farther north than we are, but it's like 14, 16 miles from our house to central Arlington. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you think at the time, because again, this speaks to our behavior, Right. Comfort zones. Oh, no, that's that's too far away. <laughs> when the reality is, is it's just too mentally too far away, not physically. Well, and I think this also goes back to when we were living in California. My wife, even though we were, she or she was about 20 miles away from work, 
it was an hour commute. Oh yeah, because oh, and, and so I wanted her to live close. Where you know we're moving for you. Let's and at least be comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. And I'm glad we wound up in in, oh. in Mansfield. I mean, what a terrific city it it's, truly, it's become. Truly is. So I'm looking down your your list. I was uh, doing some research on oh, Sarah no. Zink today. Right. My you goodness. Me. No, I just linked in. You know, if you ever want to know. That's about, right. Go to LinkedIn. Oh, That's yeah. Right. LinkedIn. And um, the. You, well, we'll get into those. You are the CEO. <laughs> that what, sounds okay. ominous. <laughs> what is a change champion? Okay. Um, so I literally get paid to do this. I'm, I'm not making it up. When a company initiates change, yes. it, it could be as simple as moving cubicles around or as complex. One of my global clients uh, was initiating a new software. People freak out. It is just... It is some people handle change better. Most people don't handle change well. And so a smart company will find someone like me to come in and help them navigate their people through the change. Because it isn't just about saying, hey, we're going to change to this new software. Trust us. It's going to be great. And then throwing people over the wall, you know, like, oh, yeah, okay, have fun. It's all going to be fun. And then when things fall apart... And the company doesn't do well, they blame everything but themselves for not navigating the change for their people. Because human nature, we cannot control our lizard brain. And that's that little gland in our brain that is from primitive times that, you know, whether it's a saber-toothed tiger or a bear or a threat to your ego, that little gland doesn't know the difference. Right. And we are going to react in primitive ways if we don't understand what we're feeling and thinking. So I basically uh, was... It was a joy for me because when you see the aha moment of a client, when they understand, oh, that's just my natural reaction and I can overcome that, Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful thing. Change is hard. Change is hard. And so you'll go into a company and say, okay, this is the change I think you should implement. No, no, usually they've made the decision. Oh, they've already made the the change. change. Okay. And then I'll go through and because. Change championing is basically about you have to control the messaging, you have mm-hmm. to control the information, the education, and you have to con- you know you have to help people understand what to do when. Okay? okay, so when you feel this, what do you need to do? When you see this, what do you need to do? And so again, most it's it's like it's like if I gave you a task, hey Steve, here's this thing I want you to do. Here's how to do it. Here's a sheet, fully explanatory. Go. Have fun, and basically, I toss you and the task over the wall. I don't want to see you again. I don't want to be bothered with it. Just you handle it. That's not going to turn out well. I was going to say I'd have a deer in the headlights look <laughs> on my face, going, "Okay." Um, and then I'm going to blame you because I'll use the excuse that I gave you all the tools and resources that you need. But many companies forget the the um, intangible factor of human nature. And that really is what drives the success of a lot of businesses. You can have all the policies and plans and processes that you want. makes you feel good to have all this stuff. But if you don't manage the intangible part of your people, 
how they think, how they behave, how do they play well with others? Well, yeah. How do they communicate? Um, And how do they manage their time? And you get paid for this. Yes. As Yakov Smirnoff said. I'm just saying. What a country. What a country. And it has been a joyful thing. I will tell you, some some of my clients, you know, I have fired a couple who wouldn't do what I said. Yeah. But basically, they hire me because I know what I'm doing. And it is joyful to see people... Uh, be successful. You've been around the business community in Mansfield for quite a long time. If I recall, you had a hot minute at the Chamber of Commerce. I did. I I had the joy of working with Lucretia Mills. She, oh my gosh, she is wonderful. Was wonderful. wonderful. Bless her heart. Yep. Um, As then a a part of that, um, you also then expanded your, your, community by being a part of the Keep Mansfield Beautiful. I got to tell you, that's that's one of the things I'm super proud of. And I'll tell you what I learned from working at the chamber and then from being able to do that. There's a difference between legacy projects and ego projects. So when I was at the Mansfield Chamber, I started an ego project that was the Mansfield Industrial Association. Essentially, there was a lot of industrial um, companies, they they had an association, but they really weren't working together. They weren't working with a chamber. And they were working with Economic Development Corporation, but nobody else. Right. And so I, I was trying to get something going, but it was essentially centered around me. And I didn't set it up as a legacy project. So, like, if I got abducted by aliens, then what happens, right? You'd be able to pass that on to someone else. So, when I left the chamber, pretty much it just kind of fizzled out. And I learned something from that. It was a painful lesson, but I learned that if you set up something, you need to set it up to last even after you get abducted by aliens. So, a couple of years after Lucretia uh, passed, she started the work of the Mansfield, Key Mansfield Beautiful, mm-hmm. really was a huge uh, integral part of that. And a few years after uh, she had passed, Ariane Shipley and uh, Stephanie, from, who worked at the uh, city, who used to work at the city, reached out to me to see if some someone had, I, I laughed at then I said, they threw me under the bus and <laughs> said, oh, Sarah, Sarah would love to be in charge of that. And uh, so I went and met with them and it, it was fizzling out, not for lack of anything other than just time. You know, a lot of time had passed and nobody was really leading the group. And so one of the things I think I'm most proud of as, as we move out of this community is, is that I was able to revitalize that Keep Mansfield Beautiful. And Keep Mansfield uh, Beautiful, if I recall, it, it, it's more than just decorating oh, the gazebo yes. at more Walnut than just Creek flowers and, and trash. It's, it's <laughs> really beautifying the entire city. It is beautifying it from this perspective that goes beyond flowers and trash. So, you know, when I first got there, it was basically, you know, the gazebo, some Creekside cleanups, picking up the trash, and then that huge recycling uh, uh, event that they used to have twice a year. Keep man, like the the two beautification events. Right. Uh, the city. Uh, so long story long, when I met with Ariane and Stephanie, I said, "Let me meet with." It was Joe uh, Smolinski. Smolinski and Jeff. Price. Price. And I said, let me meet with them. I'm going to tell them what I want to do. And if they agree to my plan and that they'll support me, 
I'll do this. And so uh, I think, uh, God love you, Joe and Jeff. I uh, met with them, and I think they were a bit, who is this woman? Uh (laughs) But I, I laid out a plan. And they agreed, and they said they'd support me. And so the board did, I, I will say, I was the conductor. I was the, I mean, I was standing in front of this group, but the board did all this work. And we had a fabulous board. They're still there. Um, and over six years went from just, you know, flowers and trash to really focusing on beautifying the city, uh, working on the Earth Day Festival, right. making sure that we got it started to get in touch with the HOAs. We actually, there's a board member who's working to integrate the chamber with beautification and keeping the, uh, the city pretty. So, you know, your city values are affected by the physical attractiveness of your city. But beyond that, if you don't keep your creeks clean, we have agreements with the city and I mean with the state. And so we have certain obligations to the state and certain obligations to the residents. So it was an exciting thing to be able to create that uh, structure where even after I left, I left the board service last year, uh, Leon Williams is continuing on as the chairman. It really is a wonderful thing. And we're talking with the wonderful Sarah Zink, and we're just getting warmed up. Join us next week for part two of the interview as we talk about the Chamber of Commerce, keep Mansfield beautiful, and taking people out of their comfort zone. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's Mansfield News, Talk, and Information. The show will be released on Wednesday, March 24th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature Michael Evans. School Board Recap Courtney Lackey Wilson. Home Improvement feature Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature Brian Certain. Sports Tommy Cummings. Post Production Editing Mixing and mastering Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield.